0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit c.l.c.austin.com. Thank you for listening. Tonight we're going we're to dive into the Word of God, and we're going to kick off uh, a two-week mini-series, if you will, that we're going to call "Iconic." Iconic. Now. I, I want to set the stage for this series and give you a little bit of background history on me. For those of you that don't know, I am born and raised right here in Austin, Texas. Do I have anybody else that's born and raised in Austin? Let's go. Yeah. Now, now maybe you're like me, but anytime. Whether it's small talk, maybe getting a haircut or out in social events, somebody says, so where are you from? You know, that's kind of the question that you ask when you're small talking, right? And when when I tell somebody I'm born and raised right here in Austin, they look at me, their jaw drops, and they act as if I'm a unicorn. Does anybody else, do you get that, (laughs) right? Like what? I've literally had multiple people tell me, you're like a unicorn. I'm like, no, I'm not. Just a 36 year old human that had parents that had me right here at St. David. I mean, not a unicorn. I don't think. Uh, but Austin is an amazing city, and sure, uh, as it's grown over the years by leaps and bounds. Uh, I know that there's some things about our city or, or any city that, that perhaps you wish could be different. But but what I love about Austin is that as it's grown by leaps and bounds, it's maintained the, this bit of uniqueness, if you will. And, and, and if you've lived in Austin for any amount of time, uh, some of you have lived here a lot longer than I have, you will know that there are some iconic sayings that Austin is known for there's some some things around town that that when you think of Austin when you tell outsiders about our city that they automatically associate with Austin Texas right and so let, let's take for for instance live music We're the live music capital of the world. When you say Austin, Texas, people automatically associate live music. In fact, we're right in the middle of ACL, which is one of the largest music festivals in the country. Did you know, this is crazy, that they are expecting some 450,000 people? And I'll have you know that as an Austinite, as a unicorn here in Austin, in my 36 years on earth, I have yet to make it to ACL. What else, what else is Austin known for, right? We're known, uh, we're known for bats, Mexican free-tailed bats to be exact. How many of you have seen the bats? Be honest. As a unicorn here in Austin, I have never watched the bats fly out from the bridge. But we're known for it. We're known for the Texas Longhorns. We've got the University of Texas here. Yeah. It's a big weekend, y'all. If you know, then you know. If you don't, we're going to pray for you. We're known for Barton Springs and Zilker Park. We're known for, for food trucks. And the list goes on and on and on. There's, there's a lot of, of iconic things about Austin that makes this city what it is. But if you, if you study the Word of God for any length of time, and you study the life of Jesus, you begin to realize very quickly that he's known for so much. Like, you, you don't even have to dive in very far into the New Testament, but to, to see really that, that Jesus is the ultimate icon, out of, out of anything that you could just put on a pedestal and, and really build up, Jesus would, would easily be the most iconic figure ever known to mankind. Jesus would be, would be that. Perhaps it's the cross for you. When you hear the name of Jesus, you automatically go to the cross. Maybe it was his actions. Maybe it was the words that he spoke that, that sets him apart. Maybe it was the way that he, he interacted with the haters, the people that didn't line up and agree with the way. He had a beautiful way, right, of, of speaking and interacting to the people that didn't agree with him. Maybe when you think of Jesus, you think about the grace that he would, he would show to those who, who really seemed most undeserving. Maybe it was the miracles that Jesus would perform or, or, or the time that Jesus would spend with the least of these. See, when you think of Jesus, you you can't separate the list of things that we just talked about because they all fit together like a beautiful puzzle to make him the most iconic person that's ever walked this earth. And some of you are going to laugh at my next statement, and that's okay because perhaps it's laughable. But I think Jesus would agree with one of Austin's most iconic sayings. I think he would agree with the iconic statement of our city that we've adopted when we say this, keep Austin weird. <laughs> keep Austin weird. But instead of, of keeping Austin weird, I think Jesus might rephrase it just a little bit. And I think he would tell you and I this evening, he would say this, keep your life Weird. Maybe on a, on a macro level, sure, keep Austin weird, but, but more specifically, sir, ma'am, young adult, mom, dad, grandparent, keep your life weird. To which some of you are like, but really? Okay. Why in the world would Jesus think that? And why would he say that? And I want to I jump into the word of God tonight. Matthew chapter 7 starting with verse 13. Watch and, I, and I'll show you how I think Jesus would say this. He would say enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And how many people enter through it? Many enter through it. Think about this the, the broad and wide road, the, the, this broad open gate is the road in which the majority of people are traveling. And unfortunately, on the broad road, the crowd. It's where we often find the most security, if you will, right? The, the most comfort in saying, well, well, look at their families. Look at what they're doing. Look at where they're going and where we're going. Look at how they're living and how we're living. If they're living that way and we're living the same way, then, then we're normal, right? We're going along to get along. We're, we're on the broad road. We must be okay, right? If the majority is doing it, then, then surely we'll just, we'll just blend in our little family. I'll just blend in in the workplace. I'll just blend in in the school as I go about my every day walking this broad road. But Jesus would say something a little bit different. He would say many or the crowd or, or we could even say normal people are on the road that leads to destruction. But then he would say this, but small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And how many are on this? Few find it. And if you're on the broad road, if your life looks like everybody else's life, if your family looks like everybody else's family, if what you're doing is what everyone else is doing, if you consider yourself pretty normal, could it be that you're on the broad road that leads to destruction? But see, when we leave, the normal road, and we get on this smaller road where, where perhaps fewer people are. The, the normal people, what do they think? They think you're a unicorn. <laughs> they think you're weird. This, this is what happens, right? It happens in Austin. It happens in our life. When, when you exit off of the broad road and you take the narrow path, People look at you as if you are crazy, as if your family's weird, as if you are weird, as if you are different. And I want to invite you tonight to follow the teachings of Jesus and keep your life weird. Keep your life weird. And think about this, maybe you're not even a believer in the house tonight and you've come With a friend, and you want to take the Bible out of this equation, let's do that for a moment. Let's get as practical and bottom line as you can without the Word of God. Can't really hide it, so I'm just gonna put it right there. (laughs) What does normal look like in your schedules today? Here's what normal looks like it looks like overwhelmed, it looks rushed, it looks stressed, it looks panicked. It, it sounds like statements like this. There's never enough time in the day to get everything done. Have you ever said that? Did you say it today? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> because we're overwhelmed with the urgent and we're missing out on the quality. What is normal today when it comes to finances and money <laughs> Normal is the pursuit of material things which never really make us happy when we get whatever it is that we're trying to get. Normal is broke. Normal is in debt. Normal is financial fear. Normal is arguing with your spouse about money all the time. This is, this is normal. What is normal in, in your professional life? Working for a paycheck, doing something that you don't really like just to get by. Normal is this feeling like there's got to be something more, right? But you, you can't quite put your finger on and figure out just what that looks like. What is normal in relationships? Let me, let me get real with you for a moment. In this day and age, normal is hopping from bed to bed. With as many people as possible until you finally find the one that you think you can marry. And then a couple years into it, when things don't go the way that you think they should go, normal looks like a divorce for over 50% of the people in the United States. That's what normal looks like. And if you want something better... If you want the life that God has intended for you to live, there has to come a point in your life when you realize that the road that you are on is taking you to a destination of destruction. Come on, let me preach to you tonight. If you want the life that God has intended for you to live, there's got to come a point in time when you put your blinker on At this point, I don't even think you need a blinker. Just cut some people off in traffic and find the nearest exit to the gate that is much narrower. Have a little road rage. Get out of my way. Where I'm going is taking me to a place that I know I don't need to be. If you want what normal people have, then keep doing what normal people are doing. But if you want what few people have, if you want what God has in store for you, you've got to be willing to take a stand every once in a while. Come on, can I just tell you, and and I don't preach about this enough and I need to preach about it more. There is still right and there is still wrong. And we're not going to get into all that tonight. But there's some stuff that we're doing that's in this word of God that if you would take a moment and open it up, you would realize very quickly that the road that we're walking oftentimes is the the broad road. And God has got so much more in store for you. Put both blinkers on. Put your flashers on. Turn your windshield wipers on. Whatever you got to do. If you want what few people have, like true peace, true joy, true security, a sense of fulfillment. It's time that you exit the broad road. And if I'm honest with you tonight, and reading the Word of God, some of the teachings of Jesus are a little weird. Stay with me. Normal says, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say unto you, don't even look lustfully at a woman. Whoever has looked lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery in his heart. Y'all getting quiet. Watch, Jesus would say things like this, if you want to be first, then then you need to be last. And if you're already last, then you can be first. Wait, wait, wait. How does that add up, Jesus? Like, if I run a race and I'm last, I ain't going to be first. But that's okay, because today we give everybody a medal. Sorry. Lord forgive me. Let's keep plowing through. Normal says that if I take more, then I'm gonna have more. Jesus said, if you give, it will be given unto you. What? If I give, how do I get? It doesn't, this is gee, this doesn't add up. This is weird. Lord Jesus said that if someone slaps you on the cheek, <laughs> Turn the other cheek. Get ready for them to just tag you again. What, Jesus? If someone wrongs you, he says, forgive them. Not one time, but 70 times seven. What? And it's hard for some of us to to even muster up enough courage to forgive somebody for just like telling you no. The word of God and the teachings of Jesus lead us off the normal path and on to a much narrower path. And I think tonight Jesus would want you to be reminded that it's okay in 2019 to be a little different it's okay in 2019 to live a life that is separate from what everyone else out there in society is living come on will you let me preach to you for a moment it's okay for your family to be different than your next door neighbor family It's okay for your kids not to participate in everything that everyone in your community is participating in. It's okay for you to say no when everyone's going out after work and you say, no, I'm just not, I'm not going to participate. It's okay to be different. It's okay to be a little weird. It's okay to be a unicorn. I don't know. I love this. The message version says it so well in Romans chapter 12. This is powerful, y'all. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Ooh. But it doesn't stop there. It says, instead, fix your attention on God and you will be changed. From the inside out. Can I ask you a question tonight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is your attention? Where, where is your attention? Where do you spend your time? What, what do you spend your time thinking about? What consumes your thought process? Where is your attention in 2019? What are the things that you're thinking about that you allow your mind to think about? Can I tell you, listen, and I want to say this as kindly as possible, that he's not interested in you and I walking into church so that we can check a religious box. He's not even interested in you and I walking in here while worship's going on, right? And, and we're here, but our mind is somewhere else. No, no, he says, fix your attention is what the word of God says on God. Amen. He said, I'm not looking for religion. I'm looking for relationship. I'm looking to know you. I'm looking, I'm looking for your undivided attention. I know there's a lot going on in your world. I know you're juggling a lot, but I'm telling you if you will fix your attention on me. See, when when you, have fit, when you put your attention on me, I'm not going to just pretty you up on the outside so that you can just make it through another day so your neighbors and your family and your friends look like you make it look like you got it all together. He says, that's not what I'm going to do. When you fix your attention on me, I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to do a work in your heart. I'm going to change your thinking. I'm going to change your heart. But it requires our attention. It requires your thought process. It's tough sometimes, isn't it? It's tough. It's tough to be weird. (laughs) For some of us. (laughs) It's tough sometimes to to stand out and to be a little bit different because natural says, I want to blend in. I don't don't want people to notice me. That's what some of our, our personality types will tell us. Let me tell you why. Because normal, normal people... We want what we want, and we want it now. We live in an instant gratification generation. Let me use this example. So I have three younger children. And so when when Cassidy is not at at the house for the evening, which, by the way, I love you, babe. You're probably watching online. Windsor's at home sick. Man, I'm going to get in trouble telling this illustration tonight. I'm giving away my secrets. Hey, turn off the computer right now. But, but when she's not home and daddy got to cook, y'all are giving me too much credit. We're going with a steady diet of frozen chicken nuggets, y'all. Don't judge me. This is no judgment zone. But here's the funny part. The the steady diet of chicken nuggets really isn't the problem in this equation. It only goes downhill from here because uh, by the time 9 o'clock rolls around and it's bedtime, uh, sometimes, yeah, it dawns on me that their time to go to bed is now, but um, Uh the kids have... Did y'all feed yourselves tonight, guys? What did y'all get in the pantry? Oh, I forgot to feed you. Oh, so I do what any amazing father would do. Don't judge. I run to the freezer and I grab out the bag of frozen chicken nuggets. Yeah, this is, some of you dads are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. And I read the instructions on the back of the bag. And then I'm like, who needs instructions? I'm a man. Who, who has time for the oven? We're going straight microwave, baby, yeah. And so I'm slinging chicken nuggets around faster than a card dealer, putting around the right amount of nuggets on each one of the three kids' plates, fling the microwave door open, throw a plate in, punch a few numbers in, God only knows what amount of time I just put in on that microwave, run to the refrigerator, grab their water cups, woo, and they land perfectly on the table, grab the ketchup, I'm ready to square, I'm ready to go, get back to the microwave just as time expires, ha. Ah. Dinner is served. (laughs) I got this, y'all. And you know what happens? Let me tell you what happens. Inevitably, one or three of my kids will take a bite into their chicken nugget and they will have the audacity to look me in the eye after I just spent so much time and energy and, and love preparing them their wonderful meal and say, Daddy, this chicken nugget's still cold. Or it, it varies because I don't know what numbers I'm pushing in. Daddy! This thing is so hard and chewy, I can't even bite into it. Ungrateful children. God's still working on them. (laughs) Cassidy's never going to leave me at home with the kids alone again, ever. But here's what happens if we're not careful. And you and I will do this in every aspect of our life if you're not intentional. We will trade quality for the immediacy of right now. We'll trade quality for quickness. And if you ever wonder what path you're walking every single day when you wake up. Are you walking the, the broad road? Or are you walking the narrow path? A normal life versus a set-apart weird life, ask yourself this question. Do you find yourself trading the ultimate for the immediate? Because normal will generally always trade the ultimate for the immediate. And there's a perfect illustration that I want to dive into tonight from the Word of God. And we're going to jump Jump right into it. Genesis chapter 25. It's the story of Jacob and Esau. And you, you know a little bit about the story, but in this day and age, there was something that was called the birthright. And the, the firstborn had access to the birthright. They would get a double portion of the inheritance. And, and when the father of the family would die, that firstborn would rise into the position of power. So this is the story that that we find ourselves in, Jacob and Esau. Jacob was very jealous of his brother's position in the family. And so one day, Esau was out, perhaps on a hunting trip, and he comes home hungry. And Jacob was in the kitchen making some soup, and the story goes that that Jacob would trick his older brother into giving him his birthright. So the Bible would read like this Once, when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country famished. The older brother comes in and says, I- I'm hungry. He says to Jacob, Quick, let me have some of your red stew. I'm famished. And Jacob, the younger brother, replies, I don't know how they got here so quick, but they did. Hey, hang on a second. First, sell me your birthright. And Esau, the older brother, watch what he says. He says, look, look, brother, (laughs) listen, I am about to die. Now, is he really about to die? Think about it for a moment. Surely he could have lived off of his own fat for at least 30 minutes, maybe, maybe three hours or three days. But in the moment, he feels like he is going to die if he does not get some food in his stomach. See, sometimes the reality versus what we think will mess with your judgment. And so Esau says, I'm about to die. I'm starving. And then he asks this question. Esau says, what good is the birthright to me? I'm so hungry. I've got to eat. I really, really have strong desires for that bowl of stew right now. Like, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to make it if I don't get that stew. What good is this birthright to me? And then Esau, the older brother, does something that we would all say is so incredibly foolish. How, think about it, how in the world could anyone be so short sighted, so foolish to trade your birthright? The ultimate. the immediate a bowl of stew stew and what do we do what do we say we all say the same thing in this moment don't we who would be so foolish to trade their birthright for stew I've got the answer for you tonight the answer is simple Normal people do it every single day, every day, every day. There's people in this room that are making choices. You will tomorrow, if you don't think about, if you don't stop and realize that the reality and how you're feeling in the moment, that if you're not careful, you will do what you're judging Esau for doing in this moment. That you will trade your birthright. You will trade the ultimate for a bowl of stew. Normal people do it every single day. They trade the ultimate for an immediate, a distorted desire. Would you stand with me? And every single one of us in this room. you know somebody who has derailed their life because of a desire that went unchecked and unmanaged and it's something that they have to live with until this day men let me talk to you for a moment maybe it's maybe it's a father who absolutely deep down without question loves his family, wants to be the best dad that he can possibly be. I'm going to love my family by being a great provider, right, Dad? This is what we feel sometimes. So, so what happens if we're not careful? We'll, we'll chase after the pride of life, the accomplishments. I'm going to give them more than what I had. And so you work so hard to climb the corporate ladder to make more, to get a nicer house, to get more cars. And then one day you wake up and your kids are moved out of the house. They're adults and you realize in the moment that I've traded the ultimate for a bowl of stew, for stuff that I can't even take with me. All I wanted was relationship, but I gave it up for the pride of life. What I thought was great. Traded relationships for accomplishments. Maybe it's control. I know people who, who feel like they have to control everything. And you're pushing away your husband. You're you're pushing away your spouse because you have to be in control of everything. You're pushing away your children. You're sacrificing the ultimate for the immediate. Maybe it's a young lady who wants a godly husband. She wants to love and she wants to be loved. She meets a guy that seems to be a pretty decent guy and she says, I love you to him. And he says, I love you back to her. And if you really love me, you would. Yeah. And and this this immediate desire to be loved and I, I, I want somebody to love me. She gives in in a moment of temptation. She didn't set out to make that choice that morning. No, no, no. It happened in a moment. She traded something that mattered for a bowl of stew. What is your stew? What is that thing? Think about it. What is the thing that the enemy knows? He's got just a small foothold in your life, and if you keep giving way, Listen, today is the day that you exit the broad road, and you move to a life that is separate, that is different, a life that is outlined by the word of God, not by the word of man, not by the word of your coworker. Normal, listen, normal isn't working. What does normal do? Normal leaves you frustrated, depressed, angry, searching for some way to medicate the pain that you feel in your life. That that's what normal does. Normal isn't working anymore. And God has something different for you. you know what we're going to do in this moment? I think every single one of us need to do this because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I think it would be appropriate if we just had a corporate moment of repentance. I don't know what it is for you. Nobody's listening because we all got our own junk, y'all. But as we wrap our time up together, I'm going to pray out loud. I'm going to pray over you. And repentance is really easy. It's not hard. It's a big theological word that sometimes we make more difficult than what it really is. But what we're going to do is say, Lord, from this moment on, I've been walking this path. But today, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to do something different. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. And watch what happens when you ask for forgiveness. He's going to step into your world in ways that would blow your mind. You're going to find strength tomorrow for the thing that's been whipping your tail for a long time. You're going to have a God-ordained strength. You're not going to fight your battles anymore. Let's go. He's with you. So, Lord, right now, God, we all, if we're not careful, we all have that, that thing that if we don't struggle and fight every day, wake up with our mind made up, saying, not today, Satan. Not today in my life. God, I pray right now that you would forgive me. God, is the man who has brought the word to this house tonight, that you would forgive me of anything that's unclean in my life. That you would wash me white as snow. God, I'm sorry for the things that I've thought. I'm sorry for the things that I've said. I need you, Lord, to forgive me. And I receive that forgiveness tonight. I receive your forgiveness. I don't want to live a life full of regrets because I traded the ultimate, the life that you had in store for me for a moment, for a bowl of stew and I pray tomorrow Lord when we wake up or that you would give an uncanny Holy Spirit strength to every single person under the sound of my voice that they would not fight those battles alone, that they would know that you are with them and if you are with me there's no weapon formed against me that will prosper Now as we end, I want you to think about this for just a moment. What have we said for decades, all throughout the Word of God, centuries, decades of Christians, we have said this very statement. We serve the God of whom? If you know it, say it aloud with me. We serve the God of Abraham. And who? And Jacob. Who is Jacob? The, other, the younger brother of Esau who should it have been who perhaps could it have been maybe if Esau wouldn't have been so short sighted to trade his birthright for a bowl of stew Maybe it would read differently, but because of unchecked desires, Esau traded the ultimate for a bowl of stew. So as we leave, listen, here's your homework tonight. Fix your attention on God. Just keep your eyes on Him. Keep your focus on Him. Keep your heart on Him. Are you going to face temptations tomorrow? Yeah, you probably are. But here's what I know about the God that I serve. If my attention is fixed on Him, it's going to be much easier for me to walk into work tomorrow, walk into my homes, whatever situation it is. If you will fix your attention on Him. So I encourage you tonight to be a unicorn, to be different, to live a life that might seem a little bit weird. Don't keep Austin weird. Keep your life weird. Lord, we love you. Thank you for our time together tonight. Lord, thank you for speaking to us and meeting us here in this place tonight. God, I'm excited about what you're doing in this moment and what you've done tonight through worship and through your word. God, let us walk out of here encouraged, knowing that with you, when you're with me, God, when my, my attention is fixed on you, that you're gonna change me from the inside out. No more frozen chicken nuggets. <laughs> you're gonna change my heart. Yeah. You're gonna change my mind. When I'm fixed on you, bless us in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning.